Well, I'm going to read the Bible, and we're going to read from John chapter 13. And I'm going to read from verse 18 to verse 38. John chapter 13. So here's the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those that I have chosen. But this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them it would be. One of them the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do it quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Well, let's pray. Lord, as we have sung about your love, Uh, Help us to see it demonstrated in the scripture that we are about to study. And may then that great love of the Lord be implanted in our hearts so that it would spread out to others. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
So John chapter 13. Uh, we're going to look tonight at verses 18 to 38. Uh, it's the beginning of Easter week. They call it Holy Week. Every week really should be Holy Week. So we call it the beginning of Easter week. And to prepare our hearts then for this week, we're going to join Jesus and his disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem. Now when Jesus said these words in John chapter 13, uh, that's where he was. He was in upper room. We're not fully sure of the location of the room. We know it was in Jerusalem. Uh, we know it was upstairs, and we know it was fully furnished. And we know it was where Jesus and his disciples went to eat the Passover. We know that from the other Gospels. <clears throat> and we know some of the things that happened in that upper room, for they're recorded in all four Gospels. But the fullest account of what happened in the upper room is in John's Gospel. And John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, and perhaps chapter 17, all took place in this upper room. Very precious, sacred time. For in that upper room, Jesus Christ gave his last words to his disciples. He told them all that he wanted them to know before he was crucified. And we've just read some of those words. So let's think of the context, what was going on there, and let's think of the background, and let's think of the command, those three things. So first of all, the context. What was going on in that upper room? Well, there was a lot of misbehaving uh, from the disciples. Jesus says he's going to be badly let down by them. It's going to be big-time failure. Uh, he's going to be betrayed by one of them and denied by another which really is shocking behavior. Uh, one man once wrote a book called Acceptable Sins. <clears throat> no sin is acceptable. But it was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek title because some sins the church really clamps down hard on, but other sins people are allowed to get away with and we don't say anything about. But here is sin, betrayal and denial. And betrayal and denial create suspicion, fear, hatred, and a sense of revenge. So all that, and we're going to expound that in a minute, <clears throat> but all that was going on in the background in the upper room. And into the midst of that kind of atmosphere, Jesus speaks this greatest commandment in verses 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's how we are to behave. Not betrayal, not denial, but love. So the one major lesson that should come out of this evening is simply this. In a world of betrayal and failure, of suspicion and heartbreak, we are to love one another. So let's see then how this works out. <clears throat> That's the context. <clears throat> Jesus was on this specific path that his father had given him. It was a lonely, dark path. It was the pathway to the cross. For him, it was nightmare on Dolorosa Street. 
It would end in a cruel cross with him shedding his blood. But even before he got to the cross, even before he left the upper room, there would be suffering and humiliation for Jesus. And Jesus knew all that his pathway would involve. And he's about to tell his disciples exactly what was going to happen. So if you look at verse 19, Jesus says that he's going to tell them what's going to happen. He's going to tell them about the denial. And he'll tell them about the betrayal. He'll tell them about that in order, verse 19, I am telling you now before it happens. So when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. So he's kind of prophesying these events so that when it happens, they will know Jesus is telling the truth. So he tells them first about the betrayal. Jesus reveals the betrayal in a few stages. He doesn't come straight out with it and say, Judas is going to betray me. He kind of builds up to this announcement of the betrayal. First, he says that it's going to be a close friend that's going to do something terrible to him. Look at verse 18. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I've chosen. But this is to fulfill this passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. To share my bread <clears throat> speaks of closeness, speaks of fellowship and friendship, eating together, dipping the bread into the same bowl. So there's a real friendship, he who shared my bread. And when the New International Version puts it down as turned against me, that is literally, as it is in other versions, he's lifted up his heel against me. And the idea there of lifting up the heel is to kick someone. You lift up your heel to kick something. And that's what Jesus is saying here. That one of my really close friends whom I'm eating with is going to kick me in the teeth. That's what's happening. A close friend is about to deeply hurt me. Now, how did Jesus feel about this? Well, verse 21. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. Surprisingly, we read quite a lot about the emotions of Jesus in the Gospels. It's, it's a really good study to do. Read through the Gospels and look at the emotional life of Jesus. Jesus was not a robot devoid of feelings. He was not some kind of chat GPT that you could write something into and he'd just come out with something. No, Jesus was not an AI thing. Jesus was a real human being with real human emotions. And Jesus was deeply moved by this thought that one of his best friends was about to kick him. He was deeply troubled in his spirit. And he tells them plainly what's going to happen then. After preparing the way for that, in verse 21, he's, after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. So he's right out with it now. It's not just someone's going to kick me. Someone's going to betray me. Here's the stark reality spoken in just a few words. One of you is going to betray me. It's shock, horror, and utter humiliation for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
For Jesus had invested three years of his life in Judas Iscariot, but the pathway to the cross would involve betrayal. Now, try and feel how he and his disciples felt at this point. I know that's a difficult exercise to do, but try and get into that room. What must it have been like? For over the past three years, they've heard their master say some staggering things, but this must have been one of the most staggering of all. One of you is going to betray me. They all trusted each other. Jesus had built them into a really good, close team. They'd had some great times together. They'd seen thousands fed. They'd seen the dead raised to life. They'd seen cripples run for joy. They'd seen some wonderful things. And now they hear this. One of you, one of my team, is going to betray me. They are bewildered and perplexed. Verse 22. Look at verse 22. <clears throat> His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. They're looking. Is it you? Is it me? Who's it going to be? Maybe they were staring accusingly at each other. Is it going to be you? Is it going to be you? Or maybe they were staring innocently at each other. It's not going to be me. But they stared at one another at a loss to whom he meant. And they're shattered. So at last, Jesus reveals the betrayer. Verse 26. Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread. When I have dipped it in the dish, then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. The thing is, the disciples still didn't get it. They thought that Judas was going out to do something good, to give money to the poor or something. But Jesus knew, and eventually they would know. And so you read in verse 30, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And then a four-word sentence, and it was night. And it was night. John's gospel is full of double meanings. He'll say one thing, but it means two things. And that's exactly what this means here. It was night. Literally, it was night. It was dark. Uh, this was an evening. The next day would be Good Friday, as we know it. So literally, it was night. But the other meaning, symbolically, it was night. The light of the world had come into the world, and Judas Iscariot had switched the light off. It was night in the soul of Judas Iscariot as well. There was now nothing left for Judas. It was night in his soul. What are we to make of Judas Iscariot? You know, the, the Bible is frustratingly quiet about him. We know that he hung himself, and before that we know that he'd taken these 30 pieces of silver and he'd thrown it into the temple, and then he went out and hung himself. The rope broke, 
and he fell down, and the scriptures say his bowels gushed out. And then, hardly mentioned ever again. Just once, I think, actually, in Acts of the Apostles. Just once. I wonder, what would you do? What would you say about the person that had mistreated you? How often would you have gone on about that person? How often would I have gone on about that person? If someone should betray me, if someone should try and kick me in the teeth, if one of my best friends turned against me, what would I say about that person in the future? Would I vilify them? Would I undermine them? Would I, what would I do to them? The disciples never spoke horribly about Judas Iscariot. They never spoke in terms of revenge or hatred. He had let them all down, not just Jesus. And they're deeply saddened by the whole affair. But they're very careful in the way they use their language about this man that hurt them. And there's surely a lesson for us, isn't it? How we treat the people who hurt us. The disciples are self-controlled in the way they refer to the man who betrayed Jesus. So that was going on, the betrayal. But the night wasn't over. They hadn't left the room yet, so something else was going on as well. For in the pathway to the cross, Jesus would not just be betrayed by one of his best friends, but he would also be denied by one of his best friends. And the troubled Jesus, for he is troubled in spirit, the troubled Jesus now speaks to his perplexed disciples and he drops another bombshell. Verse 33, excuse me. <coughs> Verse 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. He's going away, and they can't go with him. Well, you can only imagine now how they felt. The betrayal, that had shocked them. Now news of his departure, this has devastated them. Their world had fallen apart. He was going to leave them, and they couldn't follow him. And then Jesus reveals something else that's even more shocking in verse 36. Verse 36, we read this. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Brave words. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Deny, disown, deny Jesus. Ashamed of Jesus, soon afar would evening blush to own a star. How did Peter feel now, having been told this? Well, Peter just seems now to have been speechless. You see, if you should read on, in uh, the upper room account in John's Gospel, if you should read on chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, if you should read that, you would realize Peter doesn't say one more word. 
And Peter, throughout the Gospels, is full of words. <laughs> he's always speaking. He's always saying something. But now he's absolutely speechless. Philip says something. Thomas says something. But Peter, no. Not another word. He's speechless. And the disciples, how did they feel when they heard this? Jesus saying this to Peter. Wow, the rock. Peter was the rock upon which the church was going to be built. The obvious leader amongst us, no way, not Peter. Never, ever deny his Lord. But Peter did deny his Lord. Even though he didn't want to, he still did it. Who of us knows what we're capable of? Even as believers, even Simon Peter, our hearts are yet deceitful. As one man called Robert Murray McShane said, the seed of every sin is within my heart. Who of us knows what we're capable of if we're left to ourselves? So Jesus takes the pathway to the cross. It's a rough and a horrible road. It's a path of physical pain. It will end brutally for him on the cross. But even before then, he suffers this intense emotional pain from his best friends Judas and Peter. And the pain to his soul can only be imagined. Troubled in spirit is an understatement. So you've got betrayal. You've got denial. The atmosphere, what must it have been like? And now into the midst of all that sin, how gruesome is all that? In the midst of all that, Jesus speaks of love. Verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. <coughs> No sense of hatred, no sense of revenge, no sense of, I'm going to get you for this, Peter. Nothing like that. Love one another. And the context, the surround of that command is startling. Before this, Judas' betrayal, love one another. After this, Peter's denial, love one another. In the context of all the emotions and suspicions and disappointments of that night, Jesus yet says, love one another. And into a world of suspicion and mistrust and disappointment with each other, he says to us, love one another. And then he adds these words that perhaps we wish he hadn't actually added. Love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. He sets the example of love. And that's the standard. Love one another as Jesus loved us. The result of it all is in verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How's the world to know that we're disciples of Jesus? Loving one another. He doesn't say, you see, that the world will know that you are my disciples if you build the best church building you could ever build. The world will know that you are my disciples if you make the most massive cathedral with the tallest spire ever. That's the way the world will know that you love one another. No, I don't say that. 
the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It doesn't say that the world will know that you are my disciples if you can explain the gospel without fault. If you get it just right. Or if you can explain the verbal inspiration and the infallibility and the inerrancy of the Holy Scriptures, the world will know that you're my disciples. He doesn't say that, even though that's important. He doesn't say that the world will know you're my disciples because you've got the best programs in any church in the world. He doesn't say that the world will know you're my disciples if you've got the best singing ever, the best outreach ever. No. The world will know you are my disciples if you love one another. It's the power of love. And this is the best evangelistic program ever. Love one another. Our pathway to heaven is the pathway of love. So let's resolve to live a life of love in the midst of a world where there is betrayal and denial in a cruel and suspicious and hating world. Let's love one another so that all the world will know that we're disciples of Jesus. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the scriptures record for us what happened on that dark betrayal night. Lord, we've read these words and we've thought about these words often, especially at Easter time. And yet we pray that we would enter into the shock and the dismay that the disciples had but also that we would hear afresh the command that Jesus gives to love one another. Lord, you see our hearts. Fill them with love, we pray. Let there be love shared amongst us. Brotherly love, that is real. May now your love sweep this nation. Cause us, O Lord, to arise. Help us, we pray to show a world that's full of betrayal, denial, and hostility and suspicion. Help us to go into that world, back to our front line, showing the love of Jesus. May the power of the Holy Spirit be ours to do this. For your glory. Amen.